right, welcome to the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Paul Anderson, Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic are here with you. Trent, what's going on? Living the dream, my man. Living the dream. Yes. Yes, many dreams. Uh, I saw a lot of people living some dreams out in Arizona. Uh, man, wow. I, it's a good trip. If you, are, if you are out there, I mean, I don't That's know. That's why I'm you're just, the best in the business. I mean. I don't know. I'm just pointing out that I saw a lot of people who were having a really good time. It was, it was time a smooth transition until I pointed it out. It, it was. It's like, it just goes to show that you're only as strong as your weakest link. And that's right, me. Trent? And that is me right now. <laughs> uh, so we are no, weak. Man, a lot of, we, <laughs> because I'm weak. And you're strong. This is, this is, uh, established. This is, um, W-A-R-P I don't know about, I don't know about any of that. I'm just I'm mostly trying to talk about how many people I saw getting very drunk in Arizona and having a great time doing it. It seemed uh And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It was a uh, there there was big old groups from Cincinnati out there. I think every both flights I went on out and back were slam packed with Reds fans as as you would expect. Good. Yeah, direct flight. I'm on that direct flight next week. So, and then back. You're on the direct flight next fleet, yeah. No, there's there's plenty of them. Uh, yeah, Not plenty was, of direct was, flights, you know, plenty of people on that direct flight. No, plenty of people. Plenty of people to fill them, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it was, it was you know, nice weather out there as you would anticipate, because uh, it always is. And, uh, you know, people were, people were excited for Reds baseball. I, I, I was, I gotta say, I wanna, I wanna jump, I'm curious your thoughts on some of the things that I noticed. I, I'm sure, I, you know, you're around the, you've been around the team so much more and have so much more institutional knowledge of the team than, than I do, even though I've followed them, not having covered them. I think maybe, I don't know if the same things stick out to you or, or, or different things do. So I'm curious your thoughts on, my thoughts, if that makes any sense. No, no, I'm actually, I was gonna follow, and that's what I was curious about, and I wanted to know your thoughts, and, um, yeah, kind of compare them because I think it's really kind of interesting because like I can get in the weeds and, you know, there's stuff that I know that I've written and whatever. And it's just like, I know you don't read everything I write and nor should you. Um, so there are things that's like old hat to me, but it's still to different people. We have a lot more readers than we did say a year ago on February 20th. So people may not remember some of these things. Um, these things don't stick to people who read it like they do to me having written it. So, you know, yeah. just, just like, yeah, no. So that's a long way of saying yes. <laughs> here, here is my first thought. And this kind of piggybacks off of what we talked about last week when you were saying that how the, how the, you know, the vibe was different, which is a, you know, can be sort of an existential thing to say, but, um, you know, that it's very real and noticeable when you're out there. I would say, I would, it, be in total agreement of that, but I would add on this. I was a little surprised and taken aback at how openly and brazenly players, front office, really everybody in the building, at least that I talked to, was it was just like, yeah, World Series, like that's what this, and not that, not that you wouldn't when you have done what they've done, but talking about it and really being blunt about feeling like they have the team to do it and, and kind of building that almost a belief that they're going to. Um, 
that that kind of struck me. And again, not that you wouldn't when you built a team, but it's just it's really out there. Like it is it is out there and unashamed and this is where we feel like we're at. Yeah, and I think that's that could be refreshing because for so long, you know, I had a pinned tweet for a long time that said, you know, it's not about this season. And it wasn't. It was about 2019, 2020. And they took some steps in 19. 2020, that's what a lot of this was about, was trying to get to this point where they are saying, hey, we, we, we're trying to win a World Series. And they're trying to win a World Series. And that's, I don't know, I, I, I always hear, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard this about other professional franchises, that uh, <laughs> sometimes people get frustrated when that isn't. Because for the fans, that's what they always want. So, I mean, yeah, you can say it and come up short and maybe look foolish, but, you know, 29 other teams are going to come up short on that goal. It should at least still be the goal every year. But it hasn't been the goal no. every year. Well, the for, goal was the to Reds. get there. I mean, and... To get there, and that's just it. And and I think there's a recognition of the pressure mm-hmm. and of the sellout that is happening right now and that this is what it's all about. It was funny. I I, I talked to David Bell, and I sort of said, you know, it's really unfair because if you guys win, it's going to be because they got the players, and if you lose, it's going to be your fault. And, he, and his response kind of struck me. He was like, I'm honored that that's the case. I, he's like, I am honored to be put in a position where that is the case. To have that kind of pressure on me. And he says, that's what I, that's why I do this. That's why you want this job is, you know, it wasn't like taking offense to that fact or, or pushing back on that. It was, yeah, they, he thought that was great because that means he is in perfect position to, to do, you know, to, to have a lot of pressure on him. And, I, and he, there's kind of a thriving in that. And, and, you know, ha, I have a Q and A up on the site with Dick Williams that dives a, a lot further into some of the things that the president of baseball ops said in, in our conversation. Um, you can go on and read that now, but you know, some of it was sort of the same stuff of there's a lot of understanding of, yeah, this creates a hell of a pressure cooker when you are going for it and you have been so bad for so long and you're trying to reconnect with fans. There's so much on the line um, in, in this year being good. Uh, because you have sacrificed the future along the way and spent a ton of money to do it. But there's a, a really, a real focused embrace right now of that pressure and being very comfortable with it. Now, it's easy to be comfortable with pressure in the fun and sun of Arizona <laughs> in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you start slow and it's May, uh, that pressure feels very different. Uh, and that's really where I find myself most curious about this team and how they evolve will be what happens if there's a slow start? How strong is the patience? How, how much patience will there be when there's so much on the line? Cause that is part of what differentiates this year's team from really all the ones from the last half decade. Yeah. No, it's certainly true. I also wanted to say, say this. Um, I was I was kind of I'll throw one name out, um, having watched just because I, I wasn't as up like honestly as up. I mean I'd never seen I'd never seen him play before, um, but I, I would say and I, I guess you know I should have known probably more, but just not having seen it, uh, Jose Garcia, yeah, 
is a dude. Yeah, it's funny. He's I, a real I, dude. I, I'm writing that right now. That's the story that should be up, hopefully, <laughs> before this podcast is up. Okay, maybe around the same time. Dude. Oh, yeah, man. It's... Uh... He's playing great. I mean, he can really... I was really imp- – I mean, he would just sting the ball every time it seemed like he would hit it. I mean, they're – and the other thing was, I mean, they're giving him some run. I mean, for a young – Yeah, and a lot of that is is uh, they don't have a whole lot of shortstops. And, um, you know, the guy who's going to play shortstop, Freddie Galvis, every day ha- is DHing now and is not yet playing in the field. So, I mean, they're giving him some run because he's in camp. And they need someone at that spot, but that's a good thing. You know, it's giving him some time to show and dude's a dude. Like you're right. He is a dude. The, um, quote I have, um, here it is. I can probably, you know, why don't we just play this, um, from Barry Larkin? A lot of ability, a lot of potential, just really good natural instincts. He's got a great high baseball IQ. Really? Yeah. He knows he speaks game. He thinks the game. Man, he's a, he's a no-doubter. He's a no-doubter. He's a no-doubter. So when you hear Barry Larkin say, like, no-doubter with no doubt in his mind, that that's a, that guy's a dude. Yeah. No, there's no – and it was apparent. And it wasn't, and it wasn't necessarily just – that he was filling in for Freddie Galvis, um, who, by the way, look, every, all signs look pretty solid with his quad strain that he suffered. Um, they just holding him out for a few games and he'll be back. Um, and a lot of, you know, exposed everyone's worst fear of already slightly concerned about the shortstop position. <laughs> sure. And then, and then that guy's down and it makes it, it just the, the hole looks like a giant, you know, target logo. Uh, at shortstop, as everyone wonders who, who's going to play there. But, you know, him being there, and he just, it looked natural. It never looked out of place. In fact, it looked in place more than you would have anticipated considering, you know, his age and experience. And, you know, I, I just I just thought that that is, you know, I don't know how much you can fast track um, or how much you'd need to. Um, but he, you know, he was at part of the conversation when I asked Dick Williams about the future of shortstop. Oh, he um, is the conversation. But I mean, yeah, well, that's what I mean, like, like a more immediate one than maybe you would have anticipated. Yeah. Well, it's funny that, um, that story or that quote you hear from, um, Barry Larkin, I was doing that story earlier, um, and this was before, you know, he comes out and he hits a couple home runs in his first couple games. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have this story. I'll be out first on this. And I was like, I'll bank it for when I leave. And I can have it, you know, Keith Law's prospect rankings are coming out. I'll put it with that. And then he just goes nuts. And everybody's like, who is Jose Garcia? And I'm like, oh, great. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now behind, <laughs> even though I thought I was ahead. And that's kind of how this world works. But and that's why this has been such a big spring for him. I mean, he, I think he was already obviously on the Reds map. But I mean, like, in your opinion, well, how much has this spring moved him up the Reds map? Even I, though we're only talking about a few weeks of game, I don't think it has. I think it's moved him up in Reds fans map. I mean, you can go wow. in. I wrote this. I think it was like is like the bold predictions for this year. I wrote that Jose Garcia is 
you can go back and look at this in January. I think Jose Garcia is going to be this team's top prospect by the end of the season and a guy that a lot of people are high on at the end of the season. Um, and that's not because I am, you know, some scout savant or anything. It's because I've had a lot of people tell me this, um, especially in the organization. Like every time one of those lists comes out, they're like, man, people are sleeping on Jose Garcia. I've talked to other people. Um, you know, I texted a scout and this should be in the um, story. We'll see if it does or not. And I said, Hey, what do, what do you know about Jose Garcia? This is a scout from another team. He's like, Oh man, our internal metrics. I just started watching him because our internal metrics were so high on him. And, uh, he said like, basically like the things they look at, the batted ball information, all the stat stuff. It's like Jose Garcia at 21 is like Nolan Arenado at 21, the ball off the bat. That was the comp. Yeah, that should be in your story, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's good. Yeah, no doubt. I, that I, I have another perfect segue off of that. Oh, by the way, look, I know you do because that's why you set so me up. I, I, I'm here. You, you set me up on this one, uh, and that is you mentioned internal metrics and the number of like rooms where you just peek in when you're walking around the facility and there's just like 10 people with 42 computers uh-huh. is just like, or like, you know, it, it is, it's striking. Um, you know, the amount of like wires and cable and oh. computers and everything else that had to be shipped down there in order to set this. I mean, it is. Well, the thing is, it's a year round thing now. So, I mean, they built yeah. an extra. The, the big tent thing, that wasn't there last time you were there. That wasn't there the day I got there this year. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this big tent, which is just like, it's crazy because, you know, they moved out there in 2010. And you're like, wow, look at all this space. This is amazing. This is so much bigger. How are they going to, you know, they've got all the space they're ever going to need. And here we are 10 years later, and it's like, man, they're just bursting at the seams because baseball is so different than it was 10 years ago. Just the internal, the needs, wants, and all that is so much different than it was 10 years ago. And it's apparent when you walk into the facility there. I mean, it is every single thing that how much, how many people are there just doing that stuff. Now, Grant, I mean, it's when you have the entire organization there, you're right. I mean, it's all under one roof, so it's it's even more apparent. But, I mean, it's just it's obvious and, and how invested they are, you know, the hires are the ones that make it apparent and they put their money, you know, where their mouth is a little bit with that when you're talking about cow body and all those other guys. Um, but I mean, walking around, it's, it's truly striking. Um, you know, how every, how different everything looks or how obvious that is that the center of what they do. And that's like when I, talked to dick williams about that and he was just like you know it's every second of every day you're reminded of how far we've come on that front because how can it not be when you walk around it's all you see you're, you're it's it's everything they're doing on the field off the field every room every every person that's here is like you can't have a second where you aren't recognizing that unless you're not looking <laughs> because it's absolutely everywhere um and you know that's that's their mission right now, and and they're trying to be at the forefront of it, and and as much as as you can, and everybody in the league is, but 
uh, they are they're as invested certainly as as you can be from at least from everything I saw. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is kind of uh, the story that I'm uh, finishing up on now, and and that I mentioned last week on the podcast, and that was surveying the sort of group of you know there's nine guys on the team that. Um, or you would consider at the core that have played at least three seasons, and with in with the Reds and all of them, if you if you throw Votto out, have there's 36 total seasons there. They have one winning season under in their professional careers. Those nine guys, wow. eight guys, and that's Eugenio Suarez rookie year in Detroit. They went 90 and 72 and got swept out in the first round of the playoffs. That's it. And that is a big core group. And in talking to them about like surviving that and what that has meant for their not just enthusiasm, which like everyone's optimistic and enthusiastic this time of year, but like <laughs> the how that is at an exponential degree for them right now was really interesting. And I was kind of talking to some of them about the low points. Mm-hmm. And there was. You know, one, one talk about. Uh, I think Aiden Suarez was talking about how you know during there was an eleven game losing streak. About I guess it ended up being sixteen. He said you know two or three years ago, which I don't blame him. They all have to blend together at this point. Uh, but you know, and he's like, and you just you came into the clubhouse and it didn't even feel right to have fun. You couldn't be happy. And this is from a guy probably as noted for his smile and laugh as for all the home runs he's hit. And, and, and you, and then if you think about that, how taxing that is where you don't feel comfortable having fun or enjoying going to the ballpark or to your job every day. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, I know I don't enjoy going to my job every day, but when you're a baseball player, you thrive off of that. And it's so a big part of who you are and, and that they did have to find ways to cope and how, you know, some of them turned to individual statistics and some of them said they didn't feel right doing that because it's still a team game, but you're trying to find ways to cope. And that's one thing Jesse Winker said, and and I want to play some of his audio, but listen to him when Jesse talks about what the, when the change he think really happened. And it's not when they spent all this off season that accentuated it, but listen to him talk about what happened last year and when it, changed from being individualistic to being team centric in coping and dealing and, and focusing on this team. Here's a, here's my conversation with uh, with Jesse Winker. You know, in 17 is when I broke in and you know, getting caught, I don't even remember what our record was, but I know it wasn't pretty. And I know it was close to 100 losses in eight, 17 and 18. And, you know, there was obviously the, the manager turnover and um, you know, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Uh, I think me- more mentally, um, because you have to find the belief in yourself to, to go out and, and perform and, and play well and um, keep winning as the priority, you know. Yeah. And, and um, it was hard, man. Yeah. I, I don't really know how I was to describe it. <laughs> Would you, I, there are like moments that stick out to you along the run where it just felt like rock bottom or you know where just like god this is just i think i think the worst the one of the worst experiences i I was a part of is when 
we started the year three and eighteen. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're playing a 162 game season, and it's pretty much over at that point, mm-hmm. right? And it's uh, so probably that that, and then um, yeah, man, that sucked. I mean, the the only thing about it is, in you know, in baseball, it can be, you can it can be about your one on one. It can you know what I mean? You can just yeah, you can no, both but, for sure. But but when you're in a 18 clubhouse, I imagine it just wears it wears on you. Yeah, man, in that because, way because like when when you're when you're losing 100 games a year, it becomes very. It's it seemed like it was very individual minded. Yeah, you know. Um, and now it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. And that happened last year as well. It was just like completely different. And it's a mindset thing, and it's a culture thing. And, um, and we're definitely, I feel like as a team, we've arrived in that sense. Yeah. Where it's like you know we're, we all have the same goal and we all want to win here. And, you know, like you said, there's there's guys that have been here that have kind of been through the the shitty end. Yeah. And now it's. Uh, and now you're through, and it's like, okay, now, now it's our time to go. Well, there's nine of you that have been here at least three years, and outside of Eugenio had his rookie year in Detroit, they won some games. Right. And Joey, obviously, no one has a winning season in Major League Baseball. And it's like, it's a wild thing. Right. And, now, and I, that's why I feel like this year, I can only imagine the excitement for you guys is exponentially larger. For sure. Because you feel like you're finally out of that. Like, it has to make it even that much more, uh, you know, exciting for you this time of year because, my God, it just feels different. You know what I mean? Finally. It's exciting. It's, um, it's something that, as a guy who was drafted by the Reds, and this is the only organization I've known, stayed in Cincinnati this past offseason. It's, yeah. like, it's like really cool. So there was, there was Jesse Winker who, you know, a really great perspective on this. I mean, he's he's been around. He's he's been a and he's really kind of been a part of, you know, as far as hey, Trent. You could speak more to this night. He seems like he's been par- part of the, like core of the clubhouse. I think he's been a big seems part of it. Be, yeah, he's kind of a, a center. Yeah. He's kind of like everybody's little brother. Uh, yeah. that everybody kind of picks <laughs> on, um, but everybody likes. <laughs> it's just like oh, it's just yeah. crazy. But that's like a positive soundtrack. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, for the and and. When he was saying how he thought it's so different because when it changed from being individual-minded to team-minded at some point last year, and that was when he felt like the culture thing had really taken over. And that seems to be the difference is there's a whole lot of guys who are ready to not focus on their own stats and start focusing on winning games and and the team element and enjoying each other and enjoying come to work every day beyond like I'm trying to go three for five or I'm trying to have a quality start. And that, and, and how the moves then built on that. But mm-hmm. really, some of the, some of the foundation of it happened last year when they started to get some momentum and, and, and feel like that things were moving in the right direction. That, that kind of struck me a little bit. And, and, you know, you would have a better idea of that, um, having been around, you know, and seen <laughs> the low, the low, lowest of lows yourself. Yeah, I was there. Uh, it got, I mean, it's been pretty bad and it all started with pitching. And that's the thing. Like, I think that was what last year aided that thought was there were so many years where, you know, you could look at the, just the, the upcoming, you know, the probable pitchers and be like, nope, no shot, no shot, no shot. And now you look at the probable pitchers and said, oh yeah, we're going to win. We should win. Mm-hmm. And you do that. 
pretty much five days a week. I mean, these guys really believe in Anthony DiSclefani. They really believe in Wade Miley. And then Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, you know, and, and, and Sonny Gray. So it's, I think that's where it starts is that kind of, because when you're rolling out in, what was it, 2015 after the trade deadline, they threw out a rookie pitcher every single day. And it's wild. You know, only Anthony DeSclafani kind of was the one guy that they could count on that year after the break. And he was a rookie and he seemed like not a rookie after a while because he was so much more uh, senior than anybody else. And it was nuts. You go through those, some of those names over the last couple of years, you know, your Tim Melville's, um, Tim Adelman, I mean, don't, both great guys. Oh, don't do this. Don't do this. I mean, but you, you go through these guys <laughs> and it's like, oh, they, they, they're not big leaguers. And now you look at them and you're like, oh, these guys have received Cy Young votes, you know, or going to, um, it's crazy. And then like, you know, that, that winning season thing you noted, that kind of stuck out to me, um, as kind of a crazy, you know, that when you added it all up, mm-hmm. um, and then you you look at a guy like Mike Mustakas who's played in forty two postseason games, a guy like Trevor Bauer who has you know ten postseason games, including six postseason starts. Pedro Strope's pitched in twenty two postseason games, and you know has a one point eight six ERA in those twenty two games, including the World Series where he appeared in three games in the World Series and didn't allow anything. Um, oh wait, no, he walked a guy and gave up a hit. You know, um, this is a guy who is, they have these guys who it is not foreign to. It's not foreign to Pedro Strope to, to walk into a World Series game. It's not foreign for Mike Moustakis to come up with the game season on the line and come through in Oakland in that wild card game in 2014 with the biggest hit in, in, in the, you know, in the, in the team season. You know, Christian Cologne, a guy who's gotten, you know, World Series hero Christian Cologne. There's a guy battling to make the, you know, probably maybe not, I don't know if he's even battling to make the team. He is in his mind, but I don't know that anybody else thinks Christian Cologne's going to make this team. And here's a guy who has come up in extra innings in the World Series to give a team a World Series title. That doesn't face him. These are the type of guys that are really just that they brought in to facilitate from the guys who think they are ready to win to show that they are. And I think there is actual real live value in that. Yeah. And, and that was what David Bell pointed out was he thought, you know, every, he's every great team or good team he's ever been a part of had a great mix of guys who have experienced it before and who haven't. And, and that creates a fun mix and, and, and that's a big part of the chemistry that he likes about this team. But that was one they had to go out and acquire because they didn't have it. And and that it's it's interesting. It's just interesting for the guys that have been around to be the ones that you have to get experience to. And the guys you went out and got are the ones that are bringing that experience. And it's kind of you know flip flop from what you would expect. But still, I think they're still really comfortable with what their mix is of being prepared to make a real run and not be nervous about guys handling that pressure. Um, you were talking about having the pitching every day. Here comes Segway again. Uh, let's talk about pitching prospects. We're going to try to do uh, a look at different. 
at different portions of the organization. Because you know what? You mentioned those top five. I'll throw, you throw Tyler Malley in for, for number six. And after that, there's a lot of wondering what exactly do they have if they need somebody, um, who those guys are. And then when you look down through the system, what is the next generation, if you would say, um, uh, of those guys. The good news is when we, we're going to look at pitching today. Uh, next week, we're going to look at infielders. And then the week after that, we're going to look at outfielders. Um, and, and then we'll be right up ready for opening day, which, oh, yeah, it's a good time to remind you. Opening day eve on March 25th, 8 p.m. at the Holy Grail. Myself, Trent, I do believe I guilted Mo Egger into coming down and being nice. a guest with us. Um, at the Some Holy real Grail. professionals. Yep. Live WARP in Cincinnati. Come on down. Working on maybe having some, some little giveaways we can give to you. We'll do a Q&A afterwards on, off the record, wherever you want. Um, and, and it should be a lot of fun. So come on down to Holy Grail. Also, Red's Hot Stove is the same night at six o'clock. Uh, so you can get a little double feature of Red's Talk. Uh, if you want to come down and Lord knows they'll be battening down the hatches for the insanity uh, of opening day the next day. So keep that in mind. Now let's talk about the Reds pitching system and Keith Law's prospects came out, uh, the top 20 and three of the top four are pitchers. That is the good news. Uh, number one, Hunter Green, number two, Nick Lodolo, um, and number four, Tony Santian. Uh, Hunter Green, it looks like is on pace to probably come back sometime in late May, early June and start pitching again this year. And, you know, he's just sort of been this top prospect, you know, number two overall pick on hold, you know, for a while. And I think now having this surgery done and ready to go, I think there's a thought of who knows how fast he can track up the system once he actually gets his footing and gets going because guys with that kind of raw skill um, can move fast, and you know, you don't know exactly how he's going to look. Um, but you know there was a lot of optimism about what he can be once he is uh, you know throwing and midway through this year and, and seeing what that looks like. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, do you know? I mean, it's funny. It's like I hear, I think about all this, and I hear about Hunter Green, and like, oh, you know. You hear people dismissing him already. He's had Tommy John. Do you know how old Tommy Hunter Green is? Is he 21 yet? No. He will be 21 in August. Yeah. It's just kind of how we are. You know, you get this prospect fatigue um, where people are always waiting for what's next, what's next, what's next. And, and, and a big part of that is what the Reds did. Um, that's all we had to talk about was what's next. You know, um, it was for so long we talked about what's next and we hyped what's next. So because there was no real point talking about what's current. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's easy to get ahead of ourselves. The guy, you know, when he was drafted, he was 17. He spent his 18th birthday in, um, in, in Billings, Montana. Uh, so it's kind of cool. It's a great place. It's really cool. Yeah. I suggest Billings, Montana, if you go. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I just, you know, 
the 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 expectations on that shoulder just seem I don't know little too much right now. I think there's still plenty of time for Hunter to Green to to maybe be what Hunter Green can be. And uh but but yeah. So but yeah, no, I mean he the thing is it's because there is such great talent with Hunter Green. And I think that's a that's a I mean that's that's a good thing. It's a good thing to, for for people to be excited about a guy's talent. Especially yeah. that which has been you know, it's been described as generational, which is is a huge word for for a twenty year old. The other guy, you know, sort of the opposite of that spectrum is, is Nick Lodolo, in that you know, older went through college, so you're not, you know, you're you're looking more immediately a guy with a little bit more polish, and he was, you know, very noticeable and and talked a lot about here. What what have you heard, and what's been your impression of Lodolo, and and what his you know, projection can be, time frame can be, things like that. The thing with Lodolo that I keep coming back to is David Price. And not that he's going to have David Price's career or be David Price or whatever, but, you know, David Price was the first overall pick in the 2007 draft. Um, Nick Lodolo was number five in the 2019. He came to a team, it was, I mean, when you're first overall, that meant the team wasn't very good. Um. And so there was not a lot of expectations in 2008 for the Tampa Bay. I think they were newly minted the Rays. Yes, that was their first year as Rays, not Devil Rays. He was drafted by the Devil Rays, but debuted for the Rays in 2008. And he kind of came in as a, as a reliever, and he was a force in the playoffs. A left-hander, big left-hander, um, came in and was really a difference maker for a team that was looking and saying, hey, you know, we have, we need a little extra out of the bullpen to make this playoff run. And I think Nick Lodolo could do that if this team is in that position. I really believe that this guy can come in and maybe just throw the two pitches, his two best pitches out of the bullpen and be introduced into big league baseball like that. You know, it's, it's a less hurried schedule than what happened with Brandon Finnegan. Now you'd hope that you're, you're better later there, but I mean, you're more David Price than Brandon Finnegan. But again, with left-handers, that can happen. And that would be super interesting if that happened. That's, that's my ceiling right now. And when you say like, how soon could he make an impact? I think he could make an impact this year just because of that. We've seen that before. Yeah. I mean, and that would be, I know Reds fans wondering about the bullpen and, and particularly left-handers coming out of it. You know, if you need it, it's good to know that that can, can be there as an option. Um, Tony Santian, I mean, you don't talk about a big dude, likely coming, coming back to double a probably this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I think there's still, you know, the, the, 23 years old. I the mean. control issues. I mean, that was always kind of been his knock. And then he hit, was great in 2018. 2019, he really struggled again. You know, he, um, his walk rate doubled and he, he just wasn't the same guy. But a lot of times that's that challenge of moving up the system. And that's how you do that. And, uh, so we shall see. It'll be very interesting. Um, to see how he does and where he goes from here. But he's a guy I, I wouldn't sleep on Tony Santillan. 
um, still believe in him. And, and at the very least, he can come in out of the bullpen throwing nails. Who out of the I'll, – I'll run down this list of sort of what Keith Law has is 10 through 20 overall, which is uh, five pitchers. And I'm curious who out of this you're most intrigued by. Uh, Lion Richardson, who he has at 10th. Packy Naughton, who he has at 11. TJ Antony has at 12. Jacob Heatherly at 15. And Vladimir Gutierrez at 19. Um, can I go off the list? Yeah, go off the list. I think Nick Hansen is a guy. Um, that's really interesting. Um, Nick Hansen was, uh, it was in 2016 he was drafted. Um, as a young high schooler, um, you know, like, kind of like, like, like Hunter Green. I, I mean, all high schoolers are young, um, uh, but some are more young than others. It's, it's whatever. He was out of Minnesota and, um, you know, six, six guy, um, was the first round or third round pick in 2016. You know, he, in 2007, he had, he's had elbow issues all that time, but he is just one of those guys that has this potential. You know, he was, he was the Gatorade um, player of the year for Minnesota that year. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, he was committed to, to pitch for Kentucky, um, but he hasn't pitched. He's pitched three, um, he's made three starts you know, since 2000. Well, I mean, really, he's made three starts in the Arizona uh, Fall League or, or the Arizona Complex League in 2018, and he made eight in 2016. So he hasn't really pitched since 2016, which was the same year he was drafted. Um, so it's just a, I don't know. I mean, that's a guy that. Interest me because he's got a big fastball, a big curveball, a guy that if he is healthy, came back from Tommy John and everybody comes back from that differently. It's not a hundred percent success rate. And that's something we always have to keep in mind. You know, we saw it with Homer Bailey he didn't quite come back like you had hoped he would. Um, he's, he's now in Minnesota, uh, but he's still pitching and you see other guys who bounce back and it's like nothing happened. But I still, this guy just fascinates me, and I don't know why. Maybe because I, in 2016, I talked to him in, at the Arizona, um, the ACL League, and uh, had heard a lot about him. So that's a guy that, you know, probably, I mean, odds are none of these guys. I mean, that's just the odds. Um, but that's a guy yeah. who, who intrigues me. But other than that, you have, you, you know, you have guys that are like Packy Naughton, um, TJ Antone, those are your solid bats who you know you can, you really think like they can be in AAA and come up in the, in those times and, and maybe help you out. Um, starts, spot starts could, are, are, are solid and, and maybe can be more than that, can maybe be a back end starter. But then you have guys like Lion Richardson and Jacob Heatherly. Those are those lottery tickets that, could develop, they have the, the talent, um, with all that, that they, they could be something special. So I don't know. It's always kind of interesting. Um, you have the guys that you can count on and then you have the guys that, that you, you really see as a, as a potential lottery ticket. 
Yeah, and and a lot of that lottery ticket and what they feel like is increasing the percentages is what we talked about earlier, and that's guys like Kyle Body and like the analytics of it, and mm-hmm. and really understanding things better where you can maybe get a little bit more. One thing, Dick Williams even specifically mentioned T.J. Antonio. He's like, you know, we're seeing some of the work we've done with them being able to increase some, you know increase some fastball speed you know you see in the velo go up there and like that's part of us analyzing all of that stuff and you see that start to pay off a little bit you know it's pointed out and it's most obvious when you see it at the major league level which we saw last year when Derek johnson came in and, and what what he was able to do but you know the idea being they they understood a weakness that they had in their entire farm system of developing pitching better and more effectively and helping guys develop. Uh, and I think the thought is that they can translate that down levels now with the way they have restructured the entire minor league system and, and how they oversee pitching and connect it to what Derek Johnson's doing. So, um, you know, I think there's a thought that maybe they can turn some a few of these lottery pickets, tickets and cash them in more so than they ha- certainly have in the past. Yeah, I mean, that's been a weakness of this organization. And I think, you know, it's obvious with what they've done that they've acknowledged that. And, you know, they've, they're trying to, to fix it. And they've kind of gone radical with that. And, and maybe that works. And if that works, that's a huge payoff because, you know, we've seen how difficult it is to not only get pitching, but to develop it. I mean, the Cubs have been terrible at developing pitching. But um, they've been out, had to acquire it. So some, somebody's got to develop the pitching, and, and the Reds are more likely, just for many reasons, for myriad reasons, they're more likely to to, to have. If they're going to be successful, they need to develop that pitching as opposed to go out and get it. Much easier for them to develop pitching than and buy hitting than the opposite way around. That's for sure, um, and safer. Um, all right. Well, that. That's kind of our wrap-up of, of pitching prospects and taking a look at the system. Next week, uh, like I said, we'll take a look at infielders. Um, and uh, We might talk about Jose Garcia again. Can we just, like, cut, copy and paste from this week to, to, to next week and then just add in a couple new things that he does uh, this week and just call it, call it a day? I feel like we could do that. Sounds like a plan, man. Yeah. Um, outside of that, we'll be back with that. And, again, reminder, holy grail – Opening day Eve, Wednesday, March 26th, 5th, not 26th, March 25th at 8 p.m. Live WARP in Cincinnati. Uh, Mo will join us, and who knows who else will just decide to step up on top of our – Who knows? Yeah, I you never know. planning on working that, on that next week. Plenty of time, uh, but we'll, so we'll have more information uh, with that as we go. Um, but very, very excited for that. Would love to see you come down and join us at the Grail uh, for that live show. Uh, outside of that, Trent, it's been a pleasure. I look uh, forward always to a pleasure to speak next with week you, my friend. And beyond. Oh, I'm yes. just... And uh, so we will talk to you next time. Remember, we're we're free on iTunes. Tell your free! friends. Subscribe. Rate. Do all the nice things uh, that new podcasts need. Uh if you if you can and uh outside of that we will talk to you next week on WARP in Cincinnati Woo!